This recording is a ministry of Grace Bible Church of Pleasant Hill, California. We want to thank you for listening and invite you to visit us each Lord's Day on our campus located at 40 Cleveland Road, Pleasant Hill, California, or at any time at gbcph.org. We need to believe these things. Father, by your Spirit today, would you encourage our hearts? Help us to cling to Christ, knowing that it is you who holds us fast, we pray in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That one's a favorite of mine. Sorry, as I gather myself back together here. Oh, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. As you're turning there, I just want to say it's a privilege uh, for me to be at this pulpit and and open uh, the Word of God together with you. Uh, Many of you may may only know me as the the guy over here with with the guitar on on other weeks, but the Lord has uh, graciously uh, just chosen to use me in a number of different ways here at Grace Bible Church. I lead the young adult ministry on Tuesdays, as well as a community group on, on Fridays, and currently have uh, the opportunity of teaching one of our discipleship training programs here on Thursday nights, and uh, right now am teaching a theology class this quarter at uh, the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary, just a, a plug for the Cornerstone Bible, Cl- uh, Bible College and Seminary. It's just 25 minutes north of here in Vallejo, and uh, you can audit classes there even if you just want to hop in and, and learn some things from there. Faithfulness. Enduring faithfulness. Um, true love that's, that's displayed in loyalty, a commitment to one's word to stay alongside someone uh, for a lifetime. You know, it may, it may seem like in our culture today that uh, very few care much about the idea of faithfulness uh, in relationships, uh, finding it somewhat antiquated or uh, too old-fashioned for our modern times. You know, why tie myself down to one person uh, for a lifetime? Why make such, such promises that I'm not sure I really want to keep uh, in the future? Though this may be true for many in, in the way they live, I believe deep down in the human psyche, indeed we've been created in God's image that we as a people see genuine faithfulness, enduring faithfulness as a beautiful virtue. Um, we uphold it and we get, we get glimpses of it in, uh, in novels or uh, in Hollywood movies. TV shows, even short YouTube clips and TikTok videos. Um, you know, something like this young couple coming together and, and there's this tragic accident and he, he's now a quadriplegic and, and they still get married. She commits herself to him uh, because of the promise of love that she had already given to him and that's upheld, and we say, wow, that's beautiful. Even people in the culture, wow, that's, that's wonderful uh, that someone would be so true to their promise of love for this person that they would go to such lengths uh, to keep that promise, to be faithful to this person, enduring faithfulness. Well, in our text, the Apostle Paul finds himself in quite a predicament at some level, he's, he's concerned that the Corinthians would, would see him as faithful, him as true to his word with them, uh, but more importantly, that they would see God's faithfulness uh, to them. Second Corinthians picks up uh, on a, this ongoing saga, if you will, uh, between a weary apostle and this worldly church in Corinth. Uh, at the top of your outline, I've got uh, a little section there for Paul's dealings with, with Corinth. If you wanted to 
go through there and see what's going on. We won't go through that in, in long detail, but Paul and his compatriots uh, had planted the church uh, back in Acts 18, and then a series of, of letters and visits happen over the years. Um, and at this point in the writing of 2 Corinthians, Paul had planned to visit them, but uh, he had just written a very severe uh, letter to them. Uh, we read of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse four. He says, for I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. See, he had to write a very difficult letter. Uh, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they had a, many problems, divisions, and uh, sexual immorality amongst them, idleness, and, and chaotic gatherings as they came together, all sorts of things going on. And Paul was writing to them now, having to explain to them that he wasn't gonna come and visit. Um, that he had said he would visit them, but after writing that harsh letter, he's deciding it would be better if he wrote one more letter to them and give them time to make some corrections in the church um, before he comes. And that's where we find our text. Paul says uh, in our text some, some astounding things about the faithfulness of God to his people, even in the midst of, of him seeking to uh, defend his integrity uh, before them. He makes some astounding statements about God's faithfulness. And Paul appeals to the faithfulness of God first to, to establish his own sincerity and, and faithfulness. He says, he says uh, as, as surely as God is faithful, I, I'm being sincere and, and I have integrity with you. Uh, so he calls upon God and his faithfulness as the highest standard of faithfulness and sincerity. Um, but as we go through it, I hope you'll see that Paul's pastoral heart desires to draw their attention to the faithfulness of God, draw their confidence not in what Paul did or is not going to do for them, but upon God's enduring faithfulness. So let's read the text in 2 Corinthians 1, 15 through 22. We'll start in 15 just to get some of the context here and you can hear uh, the anguish of Paul as he seeks to defend his integrity with them. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. He wanted to come to them that, that the grace of God uh, in his preaching and his teaching and his time with them uh, would be evident amongst them. They would experience that. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating, going back and forth when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no, at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God's faithfulness, he's saying, finds its fullest expression in Christ. And it gives us reason uh, for our greatest confidence and hope uh, in this life, God's faithfulness. And, and I hope we don't get lost in uh, Paul's conflict here with the Corinthians and lose sight of, of even what I believe Paul is seeking to draw their eyes to God's faithfulness. 
So let's consider in this text three answers to the question, how do I know God is faithful? How do I know God is faithful? First, he sent his son. Second, all the promises of God are yes in him. And third, he will keep us in Jesus till the end. This is how we know God is faithful. First, God is faithful. The Father sent his son, Jesus. Look again at verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. Paul isn't wanting to sound like he's been vacillating back and forth between uh, yes and no in his decision uh, to come see them. He wants them to know that it was for their own benefit and his, out of his love for them that he's deciding not to come at this time and that he will come uh, another time as he uh, describes later in chapter two and a couple times later in the book. So Paul uses God's faithfulness here as the highest standard of truth, as the highest standard of integrity and faithfulness. As surely as God is faithful, he says, I'm being sincere and, and true with you. God, by his very nature, is faithful. Is faithful. We so easily uh, vacillate uh, between yeses and nos and uh, demonstrate a lack of faithfulness, do we not? Yeah, I can, I can help you move your couch. Then someone gives you tickets to the game. You have enough help, right? Oh, good, yeah, I just wanted to make sure you had enough help. You know, something came up. You know, enduring faithfulness. In our human weakness, in, in, our, in, our, in our flesh, we begin to, to weigh out the value of our words versus the value of our desires uh, versus the cost. Uh, we begin to, to weigh those things. Is it worth it? to have integrity? Is it worth it to be faithful to my promises and to my words? Yes, it's true that, I mean, just by our very nature, we're not in control of the universe. We're not in control of our circumstances. So there, there are things that are out of our hands, but because of our character, we often uh, weigh these things in the balance. Well, not so with God. Not so with God. When everything is on the line, when it costs him the most, he does not vacillate. He does not weigh in the balance. This is why Paul is using God's faithfulness as the highest standard of faithfulness, as God does not vacillate between yes and no. He says, I do not. Well, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness has to do with being uh, constant in, in trustworthiness, reliable, um, someone you know that you, you can count on because the words that they've said in the past, they've demonstrated that they're true to their word, they're true to their promises. H human faithfulness fails, like I said, because of our nature and our character. But good news, <laughs> good news, God's faithfulness is also linked to his nature and his character just like ours is, but that's why ours fails, and his doesn't. God is faithful because he is enduringly true to himself. God has to be faithful because he's true to his character. We read in the scripture that he's, he's unchanging. We read in scripture that he is full of, of truth, the very source of truth, of love, of goodness, of holiness, of righteousness. And so he is faithful. God forever will be true to who he is. He's never going to change. You know, Paul in 2 Timothy 2.13 makes this link between God's faithfulness and uh, his trueness to his own character. He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. 
Why? Not, not because the other party was also faithful. Does he remain faithful and true to his promises? Paul says, for he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. When we see God's faithfulness uh, throughout the scriptures, God uh, calls himself faithful and describes himself as faithful. Uh, we won't go there right now, but Deuteronomy 7, 9 or Exodus 34, 6, he says that he's faithful, but God expresses his faithfulness as well, and you can see that all throughout the scriptures in what he does and in what he says. So the scriptures are clear that his words are always true. Psalm 119, 160 says, the sum of your word is truth. Everything, bring it all together. You won't find an ounce of falsehood. 2 Samuel 7, 28, now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth. That's why Psalm 33, 4 would also include his actions, uh, as you heard Brandon read earlier. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. So good news. God is not like us, though his faithfulness is also tied to his character and to his nature. uh, The result is unlike ours because we are corrupt in our nature and in our character. God is faithful in all he says and all he does because he is who he is. Well, Paul continues to describe God's faithfulness. Verse 19. For, he says, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Savanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. So in this verse, Paul's still giving reason for his sincerity before them, and he, he brings to their mind uh, a remembrance of the last time he was with them, he and Sylvanus and Timothy and how they were preaching the gospel and, and he essentially says, isn't the message that we've been given to you a message of, of truthfulness, of sincerity from God, a yes from God, not, not, not the gospel isn't a, a yes or a no or I, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure I'll forgive you but I, I, I'm not sure I'll give you my son and that God's message of the gospel is not like that. Um, So he brings their attention uh, to that. Um, Essentially saying God is faithful for the son was not yes and no, but is always yes from the Lord. God's faithfulness is most vividly on display in the giving of his son. That's where God's faithfulness is most clearly seen. He gave us his son at the greatest cost. Uh, He was still true to his word. Jesus is God's yes to mankind. Yes, I am faithful. Yes, I will be true to my promises. It's a demonstration of his faithfulness because since the beginning, he's been promising that he would send one who would make all things right, even to our first parents after the fall. He would send one who, who would make all things right, who would deal with the problem of our, of our sin and our rebellion against him. He would send one who uh, would make it so that uh, you and I, though sinful in ourselves, uh, could be forgiven of those sins, reconciled to God, uh, though we had cast him off. It's as if the whole human race upon looking around and just seeing the ravages of, of sin and pride and selfishness and what it does and it's leading to death that we, we finally cried out and God, will you be faithful to your promises? Will you have mercy on us? Will you free us from this, this flesh? Will you free us from sin's power and corruption in our lives? And Jesus is God's answer yes and it's always yes in Christ I will have mercy 
The message of the gospel is always yes to us and never, never no. And this is of great hope for you and I. But I have to say to you, if, if you personally here haven't turned to this God and asked him for this mercy, come to this God and, and, and honestly assess your, your own sinfulness and what sin has done in your life and ask him, would you forgive me? Would you take this sin and the penalty of sin that is due to me from me? If you haven't done that, then God's faithfulness isn't good news for you. Uh, it's bad news. What do I mean? Well, God is faithful, and he will be faithful to his word and what he says, whether that's to someone who comes to him crying out for mercy, he will be faithful. He will give them mercy. Or someone who rejects him, pushes God off to the side, seeks to live their life according to their own self-will. God will be faithful. He promises destruction. It's a warning for those who don't come to Christ. But for those who are in Christ, Yes, this is good news. This is good news. God is true to his word, and he's demonstrated that most clearly by giving us his son. He didn't vacillate back and forth. He didn't weigh it in the balance. Oh, should I give my son? I, I know I said I would give my son, but now that I think about it, uh, he's of unestimable worth to me. No, he gave us his son at, at the highest cost to himself. And so Christ is the fullest expression of God's faithfulness. Well, how else has God shown uh, that he is faithful? Second, God is faithful. All God's promises are fulfilled for us in Jesus. All of his promises. Not just the promise to send Jesus, but all of his promises. Look at the end of uh, 19 going into 20 again. He said, but in him, that is in Christ, it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. All the promises of God to his people, from, from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to, uh, to David and all throughout uh, all the prophets, find their ultimate fulfillment in Christ. There's not one promise of God that he will leave undone. You gotta look back throughout my life and there's gonna be plenty of promises that I've left undone, ones that have left my mind and, and I've forgotten, not so with God. Every single one of his promises he will not leave undone. Christ is the fount of, of God's faithfulness, the fount of all his promises. All the promises and, and blessings in the Old Covenant ultimately find their, their uh, fulfillment in Jesus, whether that's the, the promise of God's presence with his people, uh, lost in the fall, right? Uh, well, Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us, the very presence of God, and those who are in Christ will one day be with him forever in glory and experience the forever presence of God. Jesus is our Emmanuel, uh, or the promise of, uh, of a coming kingdom. Uh, yes, the promise to David that, that a king would come. Well, Christ is that king. He's the very son of David, and he is right now seated at the right hand of God on the throne of power and will one day come back again and rule for all eternity. Jesus is that promised king. Well, we can go on and on and look at tons of different promises like that uh, from the Old Testament, but this is why Jesus would say in Matthew 5.17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. It's not just the Old Testament pro promises that uh, find their fulfillment in uh, Christ. He says all the promises of God to his people 
are yours. They're a yes in Jesus to you if you have Christ. You know, Paul would say something similarly in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that it's in Christ that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You want forgiveness? That's yours in Christ. You want grace to make it through suffering and, and through this life? Well, it, that's yours in Christ. You want the hope of, of eternal life and, and glory? That's yours in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is yours. This is why Paul also in Romans 8, 32, and you, you know this passage, many of you, uh, very well, the argument that he makes from, from the greater to, to the lesser. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's already paid the greatest cost. He's already given us his, his son. Won't he continue to walk with us in this life? Is he gonna forsake us? Will he forget one of his other promises to you? The argument from the greater to the lesser. Let's say a man uh, shows, shows, shows his, his deep love and faithfulness to his wife who, who's struggling with cancer. So he, he, he ends up selling the home and selling his biggest toys and, and working extra hours overtime just to be able to, to pay for the treatments that, that she's having to go through. He makes all this sacrifice. Will he not also get up with her in the middle of the night to help her in and, in and out of bed? Will he not also willingly warm up a pot of soup on the stove? Of course he will. We understand his, his character by what he's already done. So it is with, with the Lord. He's already given you his son. So in him, he's gonna fill, fulfill every single one of his promises for you. And he's not gonna vacillate on it. He's not gonna wonder if, if he should or if it's gonna be too costly to him. Do you feel God has forgotten you? Brothers and sisters, look to Christ. Look at what he's given to you. And know that in Christ, God has promised never to leave you or forsake you. He has not forgotten you. Do you feel the Lord has given up on you? You're just a project that is gonna to take too much work. Brothers and sisters, look to Christ. In Christ, God has promised to bring to completion the good work that he has started in you. He will complete it. Do you feel the Lord frowns on you, just frustrated with your sin and your struggle against sin? Look to Christ. In Christ, there is no condemnation. In Christ, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Do, do you feel the wicked around you just getting away with everything they want? And it's having a real effects on your life, maybe bringing suffering into your life. Look to Christ. He's already given you his son. Will he not follow through on his promise that in Christ you will one day judge this world and make all things new and right every wrong. Do you find yourself crying out, how long, O oh Lord? Do you struggle with debilitating illnesses or struggles in this life? 
Look to Christ. He's given you his son. He promises to walk in his life along with you. He promises one day to give you a new body, to resurrect you, and have you in the final place of of rest and peace and joy with no tears, no sorrow. Beloved, all, all this and more is yours in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is yours. All the promises of God are yours in Jesus. Well, Paul uh, makes a quick practical application to these things. Look at verse uh, 20 again in your text. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him, that is through Christ, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. This is why we pray. This is why we pray through Christ as those who are in Christ with confidence Um, because it is in Christ that all these spiritual blessings are ours. It is in Christ that uh, all the promises of God are yes. Um, So God is glorified as we approach him, not as those who who stand in in our own righteousness. And yeah, this, this week felt like a good week. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little closer to God this week, so he'll listen to my prayers. Now, now I'll bring up those, those difficult things to pray for. Uh, no, we always pray as those who are covered in the blood of Christ and approach God uh, through our great high priest who, who gave his life for us that we may draw near to his throne of grace. This honors him when we come to him with our problems, with our sin, and we just go, God, I made a mess again. <laughs> just, God, uh, can you, I need help. He's honored by that. That's why we can come to him because he's already given us his son to cover us. We can come freely to him. Hebrews 4 tells us this, right? Since we have a great high priest, let's, with confidence, draw near to this throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, how has God shown he is faithful? Well, God's faithfulness finds its fullest expression in, in Christ. And he's shown us that in giving us his son, and he's shown us that uh, by fulfilling all spiritual blessings and all promises in him. Even the ones that are still left to come, we can with confidence uh, know that uh, they will be fulfilled in him. Thirdly, how has God shown himself to be faithful? God is faithful. The Father is keeping us in Jesus to the end by his spirit. That's where Paul goes. And Christian, when your faith is is weak, uh, you're lacking hope, you're lacking Confidence before God. Know that it is God who keeps you. He's the one who keeps you in Christ. Look again at the text. Verse 21. And you notice here, at this point, he, he's not talking about his relationship with, the, with Corinth and the problems that they have. He, he's made a full shift over, uh, as Paul often does, Uh, to bring them and let them settle their faith not on what Paul was doing or not doing but on the faithfulness of God. He says in verse 21, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. The Father is establishing his people in Christ together. It says God is establishing us um, we, we might say, okay, sure, God is faithful. 
He's faithful to his promises. He's given us all these promises in Jesus. But what about me? I'm not very faithful. What about me? What if I don't ha- hold up my end of the bargain? How can I, I know that all these promises will be for me? What if I lose my grip? You know, I'm, I'm white knuckling right now, and, but it's, I'm getting weak. Feels like Vaseline is on my hands or something. Oh, we've sung it, right? He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. God is faithful. He will accomplish it. This is something that he's, he's continuing to do. Uh, the sense in the original there uh, gives a sense of he's, he's continually establishing us in Christ. To establish, or uh, some, some of your translations may say to confirm, um, is to, to strengthen something and firmly plant it uh, in whatever uh, it is you're, you're establishing it it in. You can think of a gardener who is, is continually and constantly uh, working on this plant to, to strengthen it and to establish it so that its roots can take, take deep root in uh, this, this rich soil that it finds itself in. And the, the desire of the gardener is to keep working on it so that it will be able to weather the coming summer and make it into, into harvest. That's what God is doing with his people. Constantly. He is faithful and he's promised to be that gardener. To constantly be establishing you, Christian, to ensure that you will make it till the harvest. It's his work. God is in the business of establishing believers in Christ. And there's no way out of it, by the way. If you're in Christ, and you're his plant, and he's working on you, he's a really good gardener. Father has obligated himself to do this, to keep you rooted and founded in Christ. Notice he doesn't say this is just you uh, on on your own individually, but Paul makes a, a corporate statement here. Looking back at the text, he said, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. Paul here wants to make sure the Corinthian church didn't misunderstand him that when he says us, he's not talking about Paul and his companions. Like, and, and God is establishing us, Paul and, and the people that are, are with me. Not you, Corinth, I mean, you got some issues. Paul, God is working with us though. Um, we're the ones with you know, apostolic authority and, and, and ministry. Um, no, he says, with you, together with you. He, he wants to make sure they're understanding this is, this is God's work for all of his people to continually be working to establish them in Christ. There's implications here uh, for the church, right? Uh, the Christian faith isn't meant to be alone. We're, we're like a field all together, and God's, God is working on us all simultaneously uh, and together. And many times, God means for the church, one another, to be the very means that God is using to establish one another in Christ. It's part of the means that he uses to do so. You know, this doesn't mean that there, there won't be wavering, there won't be hot days that are, that are difficult and um, there won't be doubt or anything like that. Um, no, but this does mean that as sure as God is faithful, if you are in Christ, you will make it to the end. As, as sure as the, the sun came up this morning, as sure the, the ground is beneath your feet, as sure as you're sitting in a chair here, um, God is faithful and you will make it to the end if you're in Christ. And this is a display of God's wonderful and beautiful faithfulness. Well, one more thought here. 
How? You know, how, how will God, how will God do this? By what power is he doing this? Well, the Father has anointed his people with the Spirit as a seal and a guarantee to keep you to the end. This is how he's doing it. Look again at uh, verse 22, uh, 21 and 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And I take God there in verse 21 to be the Father because it's the fact that we're being established in the Son and the Father is sending the Spirit to do the work of establishing you and keeping you um, till the end. So, I mean, this is great news. You have the whole Trinity at work keeping you. That's who's on your team. That's who's backing you up. What gift of grace. What amazing gift of grace. Um, And he points out just three aspects of the Spirit's work here. First, uh, the Father has anointed us with the Spirit, he says. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. In the Old Testament, anointing uh, was a symbol, usually depicting the the, the consecration of somebody, setting someone apart uh, as holy uh, for service unto the Lord. Uh, whether that, that be priests in a temple or a king over Israel, um, someone was anointed in order to um, be set apart in service to the Lord. Well, in the New Testament, uh, some of that symbol carries over at times, but we find that there's a spiritual anointing. Uh, In fact, the Son himself, Jesus, uh, was anointed uh, by the Holy Spirit. We see prophesied in uh, Isaiah that the Messiah would come as one who was anointed, and and you see in uh, Acts chapter 10 that uh, he, he was. He was given the Holy Spirit in order to live the human life in this life Um, as one who is empowered by the Spirit. And so the Spirit's given to us, right? Jesus told the disciples that he had to leave, he had to go, and it would be better for them uh, in John, somewhere in 14 to 17 in that area. Um, He told them that he, he had to go in order to send to them the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he would pour out the Spirit, and we saw that happen in Acts chapter two. Uh, at the day of Pentecost. So the Spirit was given and poured out upon us, um, upon God's people to consecrate us, sanctify us, to set us apart for the work of the ministry, to set us apart uh, in service to the Lord. You know, it's the Spirit's work in us to to do what? To obey, to, to bear fruit in our lives. To, to use our gifts in effectiveness in the body. Uh, it's the Spirit's empowerment in us and this anointing uh, that maintains our, our connection and abiding in Christ and, and gives us boldness with the gospel and so on and so forth. The Spirit is at work in his people. So the Father sent the Spirit. Second, the Father has given the Spirit as a seal, he says, as a seal. It's the picture of the, the signet ring uh, in uh, ancient times when uh, someone was wanting to s- send a letter and it's an official letter from the king. It would be rolled up and some wax would be put on it to seal it and uh, the king would put his, uh, his ring with his symbol on it to uh, do several things, to mark it off as his own. This, this is the king's. Um, to give it authentication when it arrives somewhere to, so they see it and go, okay, this, this letter is what it, what it says it is. Uh, and also as a security, if this is broken off, then I, I know somebody's tampered with this and something has happened. Um, so it's all three of those things, ownership, authentication, and security. 
Um, and this is what the Father has done for you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And, and he says to you, Christian, you are mine. He says to you, Christian, you are who I say you are. Uh, he says to you, Christian, I'm going to keep you to the end. This seal is not going to be broken. Um, that's what God says in giving you the Holy Spirit. And we cry out in our hearts, Abba, Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. Gives us assurance of the fact that we are indeed children of God. And third, the Father has given us the Spirit in our hearts also as a guarantee, he says. A guarantee. Another uh, fascinating uh, depiction it's uh, speaking of uh, the guarantee of like a down payment. Many of you have heard uh, this illustration before. The, the early pay- payment that's guaranteeing the fact that you will, you will pay the rest. You put a down payment on the house you, and you, you sign off. I'm going to be paying the rest. Um, and so it's this, this guarantee that you'll be there. You know, sometimes people will ask you, you know, hey, why don't you give me the $100 and I'll, I'll hold this for you, but you so that you can pay me the other 200 um, when you get here. Um, yeah, we, we do those sorts of exchanges to make a promise that I'm already 100 bucks in, like I, I'm gonna come back and, and give you the other 200 bucks, otherwise you walk away with 100 free bucks from me. Um, it's this guarantee, it's a guarantee, and that's what God has done for you in giving you the Holy Spirit. It's a down payment. He's saying you're gonna make it to the end, I'm establishing you in Christ and I've given you my down payment, the Holy Spirit, to tell you there's much more where that came from. I've given you the Holy Spirit now and, and in this life we, we, we walk in, in weakness and struggling and Spirit of God. Why, why don't I feel like I have the Spirit of God in me? Why don't I feel like just everything has changed as it slowly, he slowly changing us and shaping us and molding us into the image of Christ. Uh, Well, one day, one day, God is promising you and giving you the Holy Spirit today that there's much more where that came from and he's gonna finish the payment uh, and you will be made new and he's gonna keep you to the end. God's faithfulness finds, yes, its fullest expression in Christ, Christ being the the fount of God's faithfulness to us. This should give us reason for hope, confidence in this life. Um, He's gonna keep you. He gave you his son already. All the promises of God are yours in Christ, and he's going to keep you too. The end. A few concluding thoughts here. You know, first, if you're if you're struggling in your faith, if you're uh, struggling to keep that hope uh, before your eyes, maybe suffering through uh, a trial this week, you have to remind yourself of these things. Do that battle this week in your thoughts and your mind. Your flesh is gonna say all sorts of things to you. Uh, The world is gonna say all sorts of things to you. Can you remember these three things? God is faithful. He gave me his son. God is faithful. All the promises of God are mine because I have his son. God is faithful. He's going to keep me to the end. I'm going to get through this. I will make it there in, in glory. Second, uh, if indeed all the promises of God are, are yes in Christ and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours in Christ, Christian, why would you look anywhere else? 
there, there's a lot of beneficial things to, to, to dig into in, in God's word and, and learn about. And the promises of God are, are some of it. But why would you go to anyone else or anything else to hold it as, a, as this wonderful prize of all the promises of God? If you go to Christ, you have it all. Every spiritual blessing. Keep your gaze there. Keep going there. Uh, in, your, in your Christian walk, there will be nothing more fruitful than continuing uh, to look to Christ and look to the Son. And, and lastly, church, would you, would you gently point one another to Christ? That's, that's what each of us needs. Sometimes we, we need to admonish one another and, and call one another out. Uh, but if we do that, uh, apart from taking them to Christ, uh, we've just brought in the law. Um, we need to see Christ and hear of Christ and all that we have in Christ. You know, the Lord says, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Uh, Maybe that'll soften your heart uh, when we have to have some of those difficult conversations uh, with one another. Just draw one another to Christ. God is faithful. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father.